0: It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time because
1: he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you very much also to patrons who help make the show possible. Brian, Jonathan, Jim, Theodore, JF, Josh, Sarah and Barry, Chris, Mark, and Trent. Uh they all became patrons by going to the dot show.com, clicking on the link there at uh, that's at the top, exclusive content for patrons. Uh you can also subscribe to the podcast there. That's uh, one of the best ways you can help as well, just by clicking subscribe to the podcast. And then win win, the podcast comes to your smartphone or tablet every single day. You don't even have to do anything. You're welcome. Uh alrighty, so uh what's going on? Anything really? <laughs> yeah like drinking from a fire hose um let's see here 45 witnesses three weeks of testimony only nine hours of deliberation which uh i quit predicting jury trial outcomes years ago because i was not any good at it and i know that people have various ideas about you know what does a uh a short deliberative period mean? Is that a good sign for the prosecution, a good sign for the defense? And what I have found is usually uh, people have a, a prior idea and they will use the length of the deliberation to support that prior idea. <laughs> so I don't ever take any stock in whatever anybody says about, oh, this is good for the prosecution, oh, this is good for the defense. I don't know. The Chauvin trial, the Derek Chauvin trial, uh, concluded yesterday that, the jury reached a verdict after only nine hours. Members
2: of the jury, I will now read the verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District, State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, Defendant. Verdict, count one. Court file number 27, cr 20 We, the jury, in the above entitled matter, as to count one. Unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony. Find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.44 p.m. Signed, juror four-person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter, as to count two, third-degree murder perpetrating an eminently dangerous act. Find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Signed by jury four-person juror number nineteen. Same caption, verdict count three. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter, as to count three, second degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this twentieth day of April, twenty twenty-one, at one forty-five p.m. Jury four-person zero one nine. All right, be seated. With the guilty verdicts returned, we're going to have uh, Blakely, you may file a uh, written argument as to Blakely factors within one week. The court will issue findings on the Blakely factors, the factual findings. One week after that, we'll order a PSI immediately, returnable in four weeks. And we will also have a briefing on, after you get the PSI, Six weeks from now, and then eight weeks from now, we will have sentencing. We'll get you the exact dates uh, in a scheduling order. Is there a motion on behalf of the state? The state
0: would move to have the court uh, revoke the defendant's bail and remand him into custody uh, pending sentencing.
2: Bail is revoked, bond is discharged, and the defendant is remanded to the custody of the Hennepin County Sheriff.
1: Anything further? We're adjourned. And that's it. That is how the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin ended. Guilty on all three counts. Second degree murder, third degree murder, second degree manslaughter. He now could face up to 40 years in prison. Um, The uh, Congressional Black Caucus at the Capitol, uh, they immediately came out with a uh, a press conference. They called a press conference. And uh, here is... Uh, Corey Bush. She is a freshman Congresswoman uh, and a, a former, uh, although I, I don't know if she's still former, it's, uh, but she was a Black Lives Matter organizer.
3: As much as I want to be overjoyed, the thing is, that really should be the regular thing. It shouldn't be that there is this worldwide weight.
1: All right. So a couple of things. I've seen a lot of the reaction to this. And first off, kudos to Americans for not completely destroying every city with the guilty verdict. Now, there are a lot of people who are saying, well, this was uh, jury intimidation because of the comments by Maxine Waters, the congresswoman. But also, uh, you've got to have been living under a rock to not realize that if you acquit um, as a juror, if you vote to acquit, then uh, you run the real risk of, you know, personal harm property damage, uh, you know, being directed at you, but also, uh, at the cities all around America. Like there's, there was, there was obviously a lot of pressure to convict. I have no idea, by the way, I, I, in full disclosure here, I watched closing arguments only in this case. And, uh, I did not watch any of the, the testimony, any of the cross-examination or interrogation, none of it. I just watched the closing arguments from the prosecution and the defense. And, Um, Not having watched all the testimony, I can't tell you whether I think they came to the right decision. Based on the defense uh, or the uh, rather the closing arguments. uh, Yeah, I don't have any problem with this. And this is one of the things I've said for years. Republicans and generally speaking, people on the right, let's just say that pro cop people on the right. That's you know, they tend to align like that um, need to recognize that not all cops are good. And folks on the left need to understand that not all cops are bad. People are individuals. That's not to say there could be improvements in training and systems and all of that. True, right? There could be. Um, I, as a you know, limited government kind of guy, uh, and recognizing police officers as human beings, individuals, but also as state actors, right? They are enforcing the laws as passed by the state lawmakers and uh me being limited government, I'm not terribly a huge fan (laughs) of all of the laws that get passed because I'm pro-limited government. I don't like expansive government. The more rules you make, the more people run afoul of them and they prompt more interactions with law enforcement, which lead to these types of um these types of incidents, these events, right? These deaths. The more interactions you have. Uh and so when you keep passing more and more laws, lefties, you create more and more opportunities for these things to occur, okay? Um, and as such, there are people who get into this line of work, not all, but there are some, and cops will tell you this too. They've told me this, like, they know a bad cop. They, everybody is, every cop has worked with a bad cop, just like everybody in, you know, the finance department of the business that you work in. They know the bad finance employee, right? Everybody knows there are employees wherever you go that are not good at their job. Okay, Um, And there have to be, you know, there's got to be some, I'm not going to say reimagining because that's just (laughs) loaded, but I am going to say like there needs to be some sort of examination. I have been a proponent of this. You always need to be reexamining. Is this the best way to be doing things? And law enforcement um, uh, divisions have been making improvements. The industry has been making improvements, I think, uh, over the years. I don't like seeing cops shoot anybody, but I also think, and there's a a piece I've pulled here from Paterico, is his website. uh, He talks about noncompliance. This is a, this is a really big issue and nobody discusses it. I've talked about it, but I mean, what am I just a little old podcaster, right? But this is a really big issue when you don't comply. Now people would say, well, I don't have to comply. And I've covered this before as well, that there is a belief that you have a, you have the right to resist among the African-American commun- African community, there is a belief, there is this, I don't know what, conventional wisdom that has kind of spread that you have the right to resist. And that's, that prompts a lot of the escalation that occurs. That's not to say, and I've encountered them as well. There are cops that go complete, you know, RoboCop kind of, you know, over the top, uh, you know, yelling and screaming and real combative and assertive and all that. They're on power trips. I've encountered cops that aren't like that. Okay. I've also encountered cops that are not at all like that. But if you assume every single cop that you encounter is going to be like that and you're resisting arrest, I have to wonder like, why would you do that? (laughs) If you think they're going to behave in this way, like really, seriously, if, if every single interaction is like this cop is going to kill me, then why, why resist at all? Doesn't that seem counterintuitive? It does kind of to me, just like You know, going someplace to get a mattress besides Mattress Man. Just completely counterintuitive, especially right now where they've got their free upgrade deals going on. For real. Like, you can get a king for the price of a queen. You can get a queen for the price of a twin. It's a free upgrade at Mattress Man. They've got four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden, including the new location on Airport Road. It's at the IHOP Shopping Center. You should go check it out uh, or go to the website, mattressmanstores.com. You'll see the deals. You'll see the inventory. Check out the financing options. They've got lots of flexible financing options. They've got free, local, five-star white glove delivery service. They have the 120-day comfort guarantee, so you're going to be happy with the mattress and they also ship nationwide, okay? They're the exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection made by Restonic here in North Carolina, down in Fayetteville. And when you go in there, go tell them you heard it here on the podcast. I appreciate that. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference at Mattressman. Buy local and sleep better. Now, back to uh, the comments there from uh, Representative Corey Bush, um, where she says that we should not have to wait this long. But, well, actually, yes, we should. You have the right to a you know a speedy trial, but you don't want to rush through that process. That's not justice. And there are a lot of people today, the day after, and you know right afterwards, saying that uh, this ruling the, or yeah, the uh, the verdict, this was not justice. This is a good first step, but this is not what justice is really all about. And that's actually exactly wrong. This is what justice looks like. Otherwise what you're talking about is street justice, right? You're talking about just going around murdering people based on what you think they did. Your assessment of their level of guilt, which is a pretty terrifying standard, uh given that, you know, so many people have so many opinions that are completely whack, right? People think all sorts of things. I mean, look at the whole anti-racism, uh, you know, woke movement that you are inherently racist if you are white. Okay, well I deem you to be guilty because you are white. Therefore, I get to kill you. Like if that's the street justice you're talking about, that's not justice at all. The idea is we all live by the same rules. And that includes law enforcement, which is why there is this push to get rid of the qualified immunity. This is part of the the George Floyd uh, bill that that Congress, the Democrats in Congress are running And this legislation would uh, overhaul the qualified immunity policies. So you could directly go after uh, bad cops, essentially. Um, But that also opens up good cops for litigation and such. So, you you know, you're going to have people that are now not going to get into this line of work. And I'm not sure society functions very well without it, despite what all the defunders, uh, which, by the way, the defund police is not part of the George Floyd bill, they say. Uh, They would also this bill would also change the threshold for permitting use of force prohibit police chokeholds at the federal level, it would ban no-knock warrants in federal drug cases, and it would create a National Registry of Police Misconduct Cases under the auspices of the Justice Department, among other reforms. Now, one of the things I am... Uh, I am open to the idea of creating like if you get uh, if you're if you're a bad cop and you get multiple offenses against you, you know, you know, you've been written up and reprimanded all sorts of times. um, I don't think you should be able to just kind of pick up, move to another place and keep doing that 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 kind of work. Right. I, I think there should be some sort of a mechanism in place. I don't know, like a list of some kind, but there needs to be a way to guard against bad cops bouncing around and getting jobs in other jurisdictions that may not be aware of whatever circumstances they had, you know, going at their other place. Um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, that um, there's an expectation that uh, Cory Bush, uh, Representative Bush, made that uh, that every cop that is involved in a shooting, that they all need to be charged. Right Th- there. First all, So she says that there shouldn't be the, this worldwide weight Well, there should. That's called justice. Um, But it is also pretty. It's not surprising at all, actually, that social justice folks don't have a concept of what justice actually is. Right. Here's CNN's Laura Coates. She is there. She's a legal advisor, consultant person. Right. Talking head on CNN. And she suggested that. All of the preparations that were being done by governors and mayors all across the country in advance of the ruling uh, or the verdict. I keep saying ruling. It's the verdict. But um, she suggests that these local leaders got advance notice of the verdict being not guilty. And that's why all the cities were getting boarded up and the National Guard was getting called in because they knew.
3: That trust gap that's already there between our justice system and members of the community it expands exponentially because in their minds, they say, you're preparing me for an acquittal. You are telling me if it's boarded up, you anticipate my unrest, my wrath. You anticipate yes. the devolution of a protest into yes. looting and other things. Correct. And So part of what you're seeing and of the unease you're speaking about, Van, is that Pavlovian reflex and response to say, what does this mean? If you are calling out the National Guard, people believe, did you get a heads up? Governor, did you get a heads up, Mr. President? Did you give a heads up? Judge, do you know something that we do not know? Isn't
1: that amazing? No, she's correct. And there is an assumption that if there is a not guilty verdict that comes down, people are going to destroy stuff. There is that expectation. But she then, what, blame shifts off of the people doing the destruction. She blame shifts and says, what is, does that mean that you actually know in advance? This is another... Example of Blue Anon, if you will. The conspiracies that are crafted and disseminated by the left that never get the kind of attention that the Q Anon uh, conspiracies get uh, from the media on the right. And speaking of media, here's MSNBC's Jason Johnson, who was irate at this verdict, called it a cultural makeup call.
4: Well, I- I'll say this, Nicole. Like I said, I I actually always thought that he would be found guilty because it's sort of a cultural makeup call (laughs) but I'm not happy I'm not pleased I don't have any sense of satisfaction I don't think this is a system working I don't think this is a good thing what this says to me is that in order to get a nominal degree of justice in this country that a black man has to be murdered on air viewed by the entire world there have to be a year's worth of protests and a phalanx of other white police officers to tell one white officer that he was wrong in order to get one scintilla of justice. That doesn't make me feel happy. That doesn't make me feel satisfied. It makes me worry about what's going to happen when these other officers are held on trial. It makes me upset all the more that we didn't have this for Breonna Taylor. It makes me concerned about what's going to happen in a trial for Aubrey. So. No, I I mean, this is not the system working. This is a makeup call. This is the justice system trying to say that, hey, this is one bad apple, because that's how this is going to be interpreted. It's going to be this one bad apple. He got in trouble. Yay, blah, blah, blah. And yet there's still going to be young black men and women across this country being shot today, tomorrow, and two weeks from now, because unless we have some radical reform, there's no lesson learned.
1: Okay, so this is, but but here's the thing. This case, the George Floyd case, was different. It was. It was. Because it met the the standards for these charges, as the jury decided, and so like yes, there was you know fentanyl in his system. Yes, he uh, had uh, uh, heart problems and such, which by the way, the uh, the medical examiner did uh, did include that. Uh, the Hennepin County Medical Examiner, Dr. Andrew Baker, uh, performed the official autopsy had testified that, quote, law enforcement, subdual restraint, and the neck compression were the main causes of his death, compounded by existing heart conditions and drug use. So that was the official cause of death from the the guy who did the autopsy. And when you watch the video, as I have now numerous times, like, yeah, I can see why you would convict the cop for, this, you know, indifference to the suffering of this person that was in his custody and care. And I mean, it's not like it's not like George Floyd had, you know, attacked the cops. It's not like he had, uh, you know, killed cops and done all these heinous things. It was a it was a minor offense. It was, you know, counterfeit twenty dollar bill or something like did that warrant that kind of restraint? Um, And all the experts said no. So now whether or not that now, Derek Chauvin, like you could say, he is the one bad apple. But what this guy on MSNBC, Jason Johnson, is now advocating for is that every cop needs to be treated like they're Derek Chauvin. And I reject that because I believe in the individual. It's the smallest minority. We are all a minority of one. And the way you protect minority rights, whether it's a person who puts on a badge or anyone who doesn't, the way you protect it is to create a uniform system of justice. Now, there is a fair question to be asked, and I've been saying this for years as well. There's a fair question to be asked: is, uh, do cops get off of these charges at a rate that's higher than people who are not cops committing these same types of offenses would? Right? And there, and I think that's the key, and I think that's what Johnson is trying to is trying to get at with some of this. He just does it, you know, pretty. In artfully, I would, um, I would submit. Now, I would submit that if you are interested in getting some new power equipment or tools uh, for the yard work and such, you got to take advantage of this Husqvarna demo day. It's coming up at General Equipment Rental. It's on Saturday, so you got a couple days here. But it's from nine until three, nine a.m. to three p.m. Get this: you can try out any Husqvarna equipment you want to, and here's the real deal: twenty percent off the MSRP. For all of the in-stock handheld tools. So like gas-powered handhelds like chainsaws, blowers, trimmers, hedge clippers, pole saws, brush cutters, cutoff saws, all of that. 20% off the manufacturer's suggested retail price. Uh, battery-powered handhelds. Blowers, trimmers, brush cutters, weed whackers. Kits as well. So you get like one battery, one charger. They got the kits. The chainsaw kit includes an extra chain as well. They got financing deals to help you out. They're also going to raffle off a chainsaw and they say there's going to be a chainsaw artist there uh sculpting stuff you know out of wood <laughs> like making you know like the bears and stuff i don't know if he does requests but it's going to be an event 9am to 3pm i'm going to try to get down there myself this is this saturday at general equipment rental Details at generalrents.com. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. Generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. So a couple of tweets here. This is from uh, the Movement for Black Lives. They said, quote, Our hearts are with the family of George Floyd and the millions who have acted in defense of black lives over the past 11 months. A moment of relief is here for many as the trial is over. Yet the conviction of Derek Chauvin doesn't absolve policing as a whole. Hashtag defund the police. A conviction is not justice. No, actually, a conviction is justice. You Now, you can have different policy ideas aimed at, you know, better justice, more justice in the future for other bad cops and abuses and such. That's fine. But to deny that. A guilty verdict on all the counts that were presented is somehow not justice. Well, that's just, it's not true, right? It's not true. Um, if you're wondering what all of this, you know, the verdict doesn't mean anything. It's so, oh, it's not really justice. What all of this is about, after we heard, you know, for months that uh, the importance of the verdict was paramount, all of this is laying the groundwork. Uh, to justify any potential violence afterwards. That's what that's about, too. Everybody, like these organizations, like, you know, uh, what is this, the Movement for Black Lives? um, There there were comments from the Congressional Black Caucus members, like, here we go, this one is from Karen Bass, who said, uh, you know, that the work is just beginning.
3: Step one is the verdict. Step two is the sentencing. And we have been through this too many times to know you can get a verdict but the sentencing must match the crime that he was convicted of. So now we have to focus on transforming policing in the United States. Since George Floyd's murder of a year ago, over 100 people have died at the hands of police. As a matter of fact, since the trial started on March 29th, 63 people have died at the hands of police. In my opinion, this is the human rights issue in the United States of America. And the point is, is that we need to pass the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, put it on President Biden's desk, because that will be the first step to transforming policing. We need to take a hard look at ourselves in this country in the mirror to say, why is it that over 100 people have died at the hands of police in the matter of a year?
1: See, you know, what I don't like about this argument is that uh, it forces me to ignore the reasons why those people died. Right. It's it's not simply that cops, you know, are, are just running around murdering people. Most of the people that get shot by cops are armed and threatening them or others. That's the vast majority. Like the number of unarmed people that are killed by cops is very low, very low. Um, and. Uh, even in some cases, like they're, they may not be armed, but they're still behaving violently, and so they there are a lot of these you know activists who make this case that somehow or another there's a way to subdue somebody. Like if you're a female cop and there's a 300 pound, six foot four, you know, m- massive muscle trying to you know attack you with his fists, you think a taser is going to take that guy down? You're going to be dead. He's going to take your gun. And he's going to kill you. A cop brings a gun to every incident. Right, and that they teach cops that too. By the way, as they should. Um, so no, I don't. Ref- I just don't automatically, reflexively buy the line that um, you know every single police encounter that ends in a death is the cop's fault and uh, he they behaved badly, and that this can somehow be eliminated. Uh, I also don't believe you know the inverse of that either—that every cop is always justified. See, I try to wait till I get more information. I try to wait. To get more information, which was like, there was this story that um, occurred yesterday, there was another shooting, like, as everybody was sitting around waiting for this verdict to be read, uh, there was another police shooting of a black female in Ohio, and it immediately was seized upon and promoted as another example of cops killing a black person. An unarmed teenager. She was just a girl. I'll go into the details on that uh, later. But of course, as you get more information, it turns out not so uh, not so poster child of a case for you know police abuse as people were immediately uh, letting on. Uh, so then Nancy Pelosi. This is a kicker. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. I really do appreciate the fact that she was able to unite all of us for just a moment in just being utterly repulsed by something that she said. Uh, I'll tell you what she said in a minute. First, I'm going to tell you about Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Of course, you knew I was going to. Old Grouch's Military Surplus has real U.S. military surplus, has for 30 years. Go check out the website at oldgrouch.com or go to the shop. It's open Monday through Saturday in downtown Clyde on Main Street. Uh, it is across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. And uh, Tim has got all sorts of stuff in there from backpacks to you know outdoor gear Um, emergency kits he can help you put together. He's got masks of various kinds. He gets body armor shipments in. He's got uh, gun accessories as well, ammo cans for storage, tons of stuff. So go visit Old Grouch's Military Surplus, again, downtown Clyde, and at oldgrouch.com. So here is the clip from Nancy Pelosi, who was, uh, she was offered the opportunity to speak at this Congressional Black Caucus news conference and so she gets up there she starts rambling on and on and then she says this
3: my little granddaughter who just turned 12 she said why is it taking so long we all saw it on tv
1: you hear what she's saying there she says my little granddaughter who's 12 is asking why did it take so long we all saw it on tv we saw
3: it happen and thank god the joy what
1: we saw. Thank God the jurors validated what we saw, she says.
3: What we saw. So again, thank you, George Floyd for sacrificing your life
1: for justice. Wait, what? Well, hang on a second. What? Thank you, George Floyd.
3: Thank you, George Floyd for sacrificing your life for justice.
1: Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice. He didn't sacrifice his life for justice. He was killed. This wasn't a choice of his. Who could you just imagine? Let's everyone's favorite game. Imagine if a Republican had said it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison said, quote, I would not call the verdict justice. However, because uh, justice implies true restoration but it is accountability, which is the first step towards justice. Well, that's not, that's not true either. Justice does not require restoration. It does it. It never has not in our legal system. Now there are, uh, there are restorative justice systems that exist, mechanisms that exist. Remember in Asheville, there was the cop, uh, who, uh, uh beat up Johnny Rush, the jaywalker, right. Who resisted arrest and tried to reach for the taser and gun and all that. Anyway, um, beat him up and then, you know, was dismissed off the force and uh, put on trial and they entered into an agreement for uh, this was a restorative justice kind of a thing where they would, they would talk and, you know, he would go through some counseling stuff. And, and what happened was the activists were irate about it. They hated this idea because what they wanted was the justice, the, the, the hammer brought down on this guy, right? Vengeance. The justice system in America is in my opinion, and I'm no lawyer, just a podcaster here, but I view the justice system in America as the way for society to exact revenge or vengeance without resorting to street violence, street vengeance, vigilantism, right? The state says, here are the rules. Everybody plays by these rules. You don't play by these rules, we exact the revenge. Not you, we do, the state does, because we have these rules, you see. And if everybody knows the rules going in, you break the rules, you know what the risks are. That's what our system is about. That's my view of what the system is about. And it has worked for a pretty long time and I think generally speaking most systems like this do work for a long time. The problem is that when certain people don't get held to account for not following the rules, if they're not if they're going to avoid punishment, right? That becomes the issue. And there is something. I mean, there is truth in the argument from the BLM folks, from the social justice warriors and such that, and the Democrats that a lot of cops are never punished for violating the rules. Right? They break rules. They get away with stuff. Right? There is some truth to that, especially historically. And again, I, I've said this before in the context of uh, race relations and such, and uh, why you know black uh, uh, citizens of America are. Um, you know, have a very low opinion of police officers, if not from personal experience. But uh, think about if, you know, your grandparent had fire hoses and dogs turned on them and beaten by white people, many of whom, you know, enjoyed the protection of law enforcement if they weren't law enforcement themselves. And those people were never punished for that. And you were beaten simply because you wanted to, you know, vote. You wanted to get water from a water fountain, right? It's not that long ago. It's yes, it was the 60s. Okay, but that could have been my grandparents, could have even been my parents, and then they pass those ideas that that their personal uh, experiences they convey those to their kids, right? To me, so like you have to we have to recognize that that is baked into this uh, this discussion as well. Uh, I'm gonna have a quick discussion with you about buying and selling homes. Um, this can be very stressful. Buying and selling a home can be really really stressful, especially selling because you got to worry about you know people coming through the house like i've had friends uh that had to go and like get a hotel because they had so many showings of their homes um and so it can be really really stressful i'm not sure which is better like to just leave the place and let everybody come through and see or to just stay there and then have to worry about people you know, coming up and you got to flee the premises and make sure that all the, uh, you know, the house is all tidy and in order and everything. It's really stressful. So take the stress out of selling a home, call Rowena Patton, okay? She'll get the house sold fast and for more money, relieve the stress, and then you start the next chapter of your life. 828-333-4483. Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team outsell 99% of the realtors in the entire state. The only agent that I called, to buy our house, Rowena Patton. She has homes in all price points. She has buyers already lined up waiting to buy. So give her a call at 828-333-4483. Go to her website, mountainhomehunt.com, and then start packing. Well, And I should mention this also. Um, Portland also saw uh, a bunch of rioting, and so did Seattle. So it didn't even matter for Antifa. It doesn't matter what the verdict was going to be. Uh, It's all pretext. They are just simply interested in... Uh, tearing down the institutions. That's all. And it's sad that the city still is unable to uh, to come to grips with who these people are. City officials are just unwilling to do so. Now, there is a comment by Michael Sokolow, who is the director of the McGillicuddy Humanities Center, Communication and Journalism at the University of Maine, Fulbright Scholar as well. Uh, he said, quote, It's remarkable that the small handheld communications devices we all carry around, combined with new modes of distribution... Protected by Section 230 and First Amendment could play such a historically monumental role in police accountability and the administration of justice. And this is why I've been a proponent of the body cams. It's why most cops that I know, whenever I talk to them about it, they all say, "Uh, yeah, I'm for the body cams. They want them because it protects them, too. And it shows people what actually happened. Eric Erickson pointed out that the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd would have passed without much notice, but for the cameras and the video, right? And then he asks how many people have died unjustly and unseen. This is why I am still, you know, of the mind that the death penalty should be, you know, done away with uh, at the state level because, and the federal level, you know, that we should not be executing people because... Uh, you know, if there's a possibility that we're that we're uh, executing innocent people, the state should not be doing that. And there is a chance that we are doing that. There is. You you can't say that every single case is open and shut because we know that there haven't been that there are cases where innocent people have been convicted and executed. So uh, yeah, I don't I I don't want the government having that kind of power. I never have. But that's also the the use of video and the body cam footage, right? This also leads to the next story, which is the Makia Bryant shooting. This is the one that occurred in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, There were a bunch of people out in front of a house and uh, uh, the police get called. And well, here, this is from uh, NPR, which did an atrocious job, as most media outlets did in the initial reporting of this story. A six. So here's the headline. Columbus police shoot and kill black teenage girl. Okay, so automatically they're telling you what the most important pieces of information they think you should know are that she's black and she's a teenager. That's what they've reduced her to. She's a black teenager and she was shot and killed. They don't mention the fact here in the headline that she had a freaking knife and was attempting to stab somebody Also a black female. They don't tell you that. Here's what they start the story with. A 16-year-old black girl was fatally shot by an officer outside of her home after she called the police for help on Tuesday afternoon, according to her family. This is not confirmed, however. This was not confirmed to be true, whether or not she was the one who called. In fact, here is the police chief, the interim police chief, Michael Woods. He held a news conference within a few hours of the shooting.
0: Normally, we don't uh, provide information this soon, but we understand the public's need, desire, and expectation to have transparency upon what happened. We've worked very hard tonight to provide you a short uh, video of the officer, the first officer that arrived at sea, and this is the officer that did ultimately fire his weapon. We are not able to provide all public records associated with this tonight because of the production process and the public records laws. What we will be able to show you is the basic information that we have from our records. These are only gleaned from information that we have available to us. We do not interfere with BCI's investigation. So no information was obtained through witness interviews, or officer
1: okay. So all he's there to do is say, this is the information we have. It's very, very limited because now it's being investigated by, you know, an outside agency. And here's the video of what happened. And I will tell you, the video is very, very short, very short. It consists of the cop arriving. Like it starts with the cop opening the door as they pull up, opens the door, steps out, and within five seconds, it's over. It's all over. That's how fast this happened. The chief said, uh, "Well, listen to this remark here, because it indicates that Makia, uh, yeah, Makia Bryant, um, that she was not the one who called police. The family says she was, but this remark that he makes here indicates that she might not have been, because the well, here, take a listen.
0: At approximately four, four excuse me, four thirty-two this afternoon, officers were dispatched to thirty-seven forty-one, excuse me, thirty-one seventy-one Legion Lane." The information was that a caller said females were there trying to stab them and put their hands on them. Dispatchers tried to obtain information about weapons, but were unable to gather that information.
1: Okay. So the caller said there were females there trying to stab them and lay hands on them. Okay. So assault, but trying to stab them. So does that sound like Makia Bryant, who made the call, saying that someone is trying to stab her? But she was the one with the knife. Now, maybe there were other people there with knives, and that's why she had one, too. Or maybe she got a knife after she had called uh, police, and then she armed herself. That's possible as well. I don't know. But this is the official story. Not official. This was the, the story that spread far and wide, and the immediate aftermath was that Police shot and killed a black teenage girl who was unarmed, that she called the police to come protect her from knife-wielding assailants, and the cops killed her instead because there was a knife on the ground next to her. That was the story that was promulgated, promoted by leftists, Black Lives Matter people, and uh, Democrats, media, all over the place last night. And it wasn't true. It's not true. Um... The Columbus Police Department could not say whether she was the one to call for assistance. Um, Bryant was taken to a hospital in critical condition. She later died. NPR reports, quote, at a Tuesday night press conference, the Columbus Police Department released an edited version of the body camera video worn by the officer who shot Bryant. Police have not yet made public the name of that officer. An edited version of the body camera video. Was that video actually edited? Here's what the chief says. Public records law requires us
0: to uh, blur the face of any juvenile that may be in uh, a video. So we were extra cautious and blurred the video, the face of the video tonight, Um, but that was not edited. We did not show you the full video because we've not been able to complete that public records process. That's a law that is incumbent and requires us to take away information before it's released to the public. So the only editing that was done, it was that it was shorter than the full length of the video. Uh, But again, once that full records, public records process is completed, uh, you will get that tomorrow.
1: So the editing of the video was simply to blur out the faces of the kids because they are required to by law and the in point out point, right? The chopping of the video to give you just the, the, the portion where the cop pulls up and within seconds sees a woman shoving another woman to the ground. The woman who's doing the shoving has a knife in her hand after the girl gets onto the ground at the foot of the cop. The cop's standing right there, has a front row seat. The woman gets shoved. She falls right to the feet, right at the foot of the cop. Uh, the cop then looks up And now the woman who did the shoving, who turned out to be Makia Bryant, she has now turned and is now gone to another woman who is standing next to a car. She shoves this woman. I think she was holding a little dog, too, like a puppy or something. She's now shoving up against this woman on the car, shoves her into the car, and pulls back the knife and goes to stab the woman in a pink uh, warm-up suit with the puppy. And the cop is saying... Drop the knife, drop the knife, and she doesn't. She attempts to stab this other person. And then she is shot and killed. And this is what we're supposed to believe is an example of police, you know, hunting down and killing black people. W- would, what was the preferred outcome here? To say, stop, stop, as she's, you know, stabbing this woman, as, as she, you know, guts her like a fish on the uh, right in the driveway. And then drops the knife and surrenders. Like, that's what we're supposed to believe happens. So the cop's are not supposed to protect the black life that was being threatened. That's what we're to believe? It's it, it, it's it's asinine. And there are people who are spreading this misinformation. They got blue check marks on Twitter. They've got media enterprises and outlets behind them that amplify this this message that's not true. It's not true. Now, what is true is that Growers Hemp... founded by North Carolina farmers, and these are family farms sort of east of Charlotte, and uh, they said, why don't we control this whole CBD process from seed all the way to shelf, and that means uh, they're not, you know, beholden to these, you know, California-based companies that kind of, you know, parachuted into the the state when CBD products became legal, Uh, so they control the process. You get a better quality, you get a better price. And you have the you know, satisfaction of knowing that you're helping to save North Carolina family farms. It's true. Growershemp.com. That's the website. If you use my name, Pete, you'll get 20% off. Growershemp.com. Promo code Pete for 20% off. And as with all CBD products, here's the disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. And the efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and nothing that I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So, consult your healthcare professional about potential uh, potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Growershemp.com promo code Pete get you 20% off uh, the full spectrum hemp extract products. That's the one I use the drops. I take a couple before I go to bed and I sleep deeply through the night and you don't wake up with like the grogginess like you would if you take, you know, those uh, sleep aids and such Growershemp.com. hemp.com growers hemp is about the hemp and not the hype. So immediately after news breaks that there is this officer involved shooting that the victim now is, or the suspect slash victim, is uh, a black teenage girl. Like, immediately, there is this rush to frame the story as, you know, one thing. White cop kills a young black person, unharmed, right? But the video shows that Makia Bryant was attempting to murder an innocent person by stabbing her to death. Here is how the New York Times cleans up some of the uh, some of the messaging that turns out not to be accurate for their own uh, preferred people like Ben Crump, who is an attorney, is an African-American attorney, a social justice advocate and such. And uh, he sent out a tweet that says, as we breathed a collective sigh of relief today, a community in Columbus felt the sting of another police shooting as Columbus police killed an unarmed 15 year old black girl named Makia Bryant. Another child lost another hashtag. As we breathed a collective sigh of relief, a community in Columbus felt the sting of another police shooting, Mr. Crump said. This is how the New York Times cleans it up, right? And that part's true. But then they skipped the part where they say that the cops killed an unarmed 15-year-old black girl named Makia Bryant. And then they quote the next sentence where he says, another child lost another hashtag. Okay? This is This is the pattern. This always occurs. There is this immediate rush to set in place a narrative that then calcifies so everyone believes as true the original telling of the story. Black Lives Matter is always in a hurry to set this narrative. It has to be in place before the facts come out. It has to. The Daily Beast, they still have a story posted right before I started the show. They have a story posted that said she had already dropped the knife in the yard, but police shot her four times without any warning. And then they quote uh, the the mother, Makia uh, Bryant's mother, as saying the police are going to lie. Kathy Griffin, she of the, you know, fake, decapitated Donald Trump head, like, yeah, the, the not funny comedian. Yeah. She posted a tweet that said, Warning. How in the hell does this police officer think it's a good idea to fire shots blindly into a group of teenagers having a fight? Okay, first off, the cop didn't shoot blindly, right? He didn't hit anybody other than Makia Bryant. So that's not blindly firing. And he was only, like, not even five feet away from her when he did. Um Kathy Griffin said this. Uh, yes, one of them has a knife. Oh, that never happened in your school or neighborhood. She didn't deserve to die. 16 years old. What, she did. Wait, that one of them has a knife. Oh, that never happened in your school or neighborhood. Bree Newsom, who is this uh, Black Lives Matter, you know, pro looting, pro rioting advocate. Uh, she's one who actually scaled the the state capitol down in South Carolina years ago, take down the Confederate flag. Um I think that was her, Bree Newsome. Yeah. And um, she's been involved in, I think, North Carolina uh, Confederate monument protests as well, if memory serves correctly. But um, she's got, like, this massive following and she was saying, like, oh, just let them fight. Like, that's what she was saying. Oh, it's just a knife. There were a knife. Oh, give me a break. People have knife fights all the time. Like, what are you saying? Just so... Like, I'm supposed to imagine this world where cop rolls up on the scene, I guess, without any weaponry, right? The cop just shows up and um, or maybe I don't know, maybe dispatched by the uh, social worker union uh, unit or something. Right. And They show up and uh, oh, here's this this girl. She's stabbing this other girl. And the cop's just uh, just supposed to say, stop. Now, please stop, please stop. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. Let's deescalate. Meanwhile, you know, victim is, you know, bloody pulp on the ground dead. That black life didn't matter, I guess. Like what kind of a standard are you setting here? This is insanity, but they become so wed to the narrative. I've often said like, like Philando Castile, Philando Castile was to me, this was the story. This was the example of police overreaction, right? Philando Castile did what cops told him to do, right? And was shot, shot and killed in his car, in the presence of his, his girlfriend, the baby, right? They were all in the car with him. It was a terrible story. Um, But for some reason, like these activists have this, I don't know, this really bad habit of always picking terrible poster children for their cause. I don't understand why. I I think it's because every single example that occurs, every single shooting, I should say, that occurs, they try to turn it into an example and they rush to set the narrative. And in doing so, what we know about the statistics is that the vast majority of police shootings are of armed people. And so when they rush to fill the uh, the void of information, right, and they just try to, to craft and, and set the narrative immediately without all of the facts, um, chances are they're doing it when they say that it's an unarmed person. Chances are it's not true. Because most of the time cops kill people, it's because the people are armed and threatening somebody. And I'm not saying that because, oh, you're just pro-cop. No, I'm saying... That's usually the case. That's what the data reveal. I'm sorry if that's, you know, uncomfortable for people. Now, NPR in this story, you got to go to the eighth paragraph before you find out that Makia Bryant had a weapon. They say uh, Chief Woods, the interim police chief, said that the video shows Bryant holding a knife as she pushes two girls at the scene. Uh, Chief said police believe she's attempting to stab both girls during the fight. It's unclear based on the footage at what point Brian gets a hold of the knife. Yeah, because the footage, it happened like that. It was so fast. If you watch this video, it's difficult to watch. But if you watch the video, you'll see, uh, cop, you know, opens up the car door and says, hey, hey, hey. And immediately you see sort of this scrum come right at him. And it's these two girls and they're, you know, pushing and stuff. And one of them is in retreat. Backing up and then stumbles and twists and falls, rolls right to the foot of the cop. And meanwhile, the the aggressor uh, pulls back, turns 180 degrees and goes after this other girl who's standing next to a car, and pulls back the uh, and the girl, you know, pushes her up against the car, peels back the or uh, rears back the the arm with the knife in it. You can clearly see what is happening, and the cop is telling her drop the knife and then shoots her four times, and then they go over, they start. Uh, rendering aid meanwhile you get some guy standing on the lawn she's just a kid he's screaming at the cop she's just a kid are you insane sir like are you mentally defective in some manner that you don't see that she's about to murder somebody right here she has a and, and the cop is saying that like I, she had a knife she has a knife she's just a kid you're mad at the cop for saving this person's life And I don't know how, I don't know how you address that. This is irrationality. The chief said that emergency dispatch received a call. They showed up. Um, there was a commotion in the driveway. Cop gets out, says, what's going on? And then as the cop is saying that the fight now kind of rolls into view, uh, Bryant can be seen pushing the girl to the ground. She then approaches the second girl, throws her against a car parked on the driveway. The officer shouts, get down three times, pulls out his gun. Oh, I'm sorry. So he says, get down, get down, get down, and uh, pulls out the gun, shoots in Bryant's direction at least four times. She falls to the ground. Uh, As the officer approaches her, a knife can be seen. One man standing off to the side shouts, she's just a kid. This same narrative crafting was on display in the Dante Wright story. This was the guy who had an outstanding warrant linked to a prior arrest. He was fatally shot in Brooklyn center, Minnesota, one of the suburbs outside of Minneapolis. And uh, this was the, the protest march demonstration that Maxine Waters showed up for. Court documents show that Wright, Dante Wright, was facing an attempted robbery charge over an incident where he allegedly choked a woman, held her at gunpoint, tried to rob her of her rent money. Seriously, they, they were in her apartment and they knew that she had just gotten like 800 bucks from a roommate to go pay rent. And he tried to take it from her by force with a gun and a struggle ensued. And he was out on bail, $100,000 bail. Uh, He had uh, failed to show up, so he had a bench warrant. Cops pull him over for an expired tag, and they know that he's uh, got a bench warrant on him because it's in the system. Cops pull the car over. They start going to make the arrest. He tries to jump into the car to speed away, right, to avoid arrest, resisting arrest. He tries to speed away, and uh, the female cop pulls out what she thought, if we are to believe her. She thought it was a taser. She's screaming, taser, 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 and she shoots him with her gun and kills him. The car kind of... Uh, drives away and crashes and uh he's dead. And now this is another so this this is another you know, unarmed black man. Right? Pay no attention to his black victim that he robbed at gunpoint was awaiting trial for, right? And like I don't know what's gonna happen to the cop. I think she was fired as well because this was the yeah, she uh she quit, as did the police chief, and then the city council fired the city manager, a guy by the name of Kurt Bogani it, they did an emergency session to fire him because he said in a press conference that the cop involved would receive due process an outrage ensued and so the city council fired him you can't have a city manager espousing due process which is a fundamental pillar of our actual justice system how terrifying is that that's a wrap for the episode i appreciate you listening thank you so much thanks for the support remember go to the com and subscribe Get the show every day to your smartphone or tablet and think about becoming a patron. Thanks for listening. Don't break anything while I'm gone.